0: I'm Alex,
1: and I'm Matt, and welcome back to the show. Our guest this week is the folks over at Beeminder, their husband and wife team that have put together a productivity app that thousands of people use regularly to track their performance towards their goals.
0: Uh, we had a great episode this week, and um, firstly, yep. though, I would like to get to Matt to tell us A, why the connection is so bad, and why the <laughs> audio quality is so horrible, and where I'm have sorry. you been for the last few months?
1: <laughs> uh, yes yeah, to our to our dedicated listenership I apologize for being MIA on the last uh, on the last shows um, I am uh, calling in from Tehran where I'm going through uh, an intensive uh, Farsi language study program at uh, an institute inside uh, Tehran University and uh, the internet here has proven difficult let's uh, put it gently um uh, yeah, alongside with a few other, few other things, it's been a little tricky to uh, get a good enough connection, so I apologize. Uh, the episode you're about to hear has me calling in uh, quite literally over the phone, um, but hope that is bearable, uh, to the listenership. So what have, uh, what have, what have you been up to recently? I actually, stopping you there, I, this is a, it's an interesting show here on a, on a service that you and I have, have both used. Um, in, in the past, I think you're more deliberate about it um, than I am. It's been a little bit since I've used it, though. This show is making me reconsider uh, using it again. How do you use uh, Beeminder with, uh, with your work?
0: I'm very much, uh, as will b- swiftly become apparent when you listen to a little bit more on the episode, <laughs> um, I'm very much invested in the Beeminder system, and to some extent, I kind of live my life out of it. Um, for better or for worse um i have all sorts of kind of small little uh goals and things um that i i track and it helps me to to accomplish um the kind of bigger ticket things um that um uh that uh, i don't think i would have done or i don't think i would have done as quickly um Um, uh, without Beeminder have been to write 100,000 words of crappy first draft of my PhD over the period of two two months a couple of years back um, sitting in my little Karachi room. Um, It's kept me honest for well for most of the last three or four years um, uh, to walk outside for an hour or so every day Um, This year, it's kept me uh, aligned and, in fact, ahead of my Goodreads goal of reading 150 books. Uh, As of today, I am at 143 books read this year. Um, Don't be jealous. And (laughs) it has kept me honest in my plan to do 100 hours of deliberate practice study um, in uh, learning um, Arabic or reviving my Arabic uh, before attending the (laughs) Middlebury summer program um uh, i am kind of very grateful it exists um and i know there are other things kind of like it but there is kind of nothing like it at the same time so um i was very excited uh, to have um daniel and, and bethany on the show today
1: and without further ado here's the show
0: i was just kind of going through my um uh my goals and it seems that i have 19 active bminder goals in progress and 150 ar- archived projects or goals so I am um, clearly sold on Beeminder, and um, Matt has been enjoying it as well. And um, But for the benefit of our audience who perhaps haven't heard of your fine service, could you explain a bit about what Beeminder does, maybe the backstory behind why you even created it in the first place?
2: Beeminder is basically a goal-tracking tool where you... Um, pledge money to stay on track towards your goals. And then we send you reminders to keep up with doing what you said you were going to do. And we graph your progress for you. And then if you don't do what you said you were going to do, we take your money. <laughs> um, so motivational tool, goal tracking kind of um, all in one.
3: Quantified self graphs, nerdery. I um, could dive into the backstory too, which goes way back. the very, Beginning seeds of it were when I was finishing my PhD thesis. Um, that's when I met Bethany. We're also married, by the way, for those who may not know that. Um, um, but when we first met, I was finishing my PhD, and Bethany um, had she called it the voluntary harassment program, and it involved all manner of of productivity hacks and incentive schemes and and whatnot.
2: Um, and a lot of just reporting in, like, what did you what did you do today? What did you think you were going to get done today? What do you want to do tomorrow?
3: Yeah, and commitment devices, like, I will not talk to you until you finish this chapter. That's, that's, <laughs> um, but anyway, that was just between the two of us, and then it was a few years later that we started um, building things for both ourselves and, and friends. Um, it started with uh, just a friend who wanted to lose weight, and um, I made. I would make graphs in Mathematica and ask for this friend's weight every day and send back the graph. And that's when uh, we first made the yellow brick road. Like this is where your data points need to be. This is where they are. So um, that kind of feedback um, still is a mostly manual process. And then we made an actual website and started recruiting more Mm -hmm. friends and family.
2: At that time, we were also still doing just kind of between us um, motivational stuff involving money, things like um, tacking a... $20 You twenty dollar bill to the mirror in the bathroom, and being like, You know, if I don't go skating three times this week, then we're gonna tear up this twenty dollar bill. yeah, so it
3: gradually evolved from there, and then um, I guess it was in twenty eleven or twenty ten that we decided to quit our day jobs and do it as an actual startup, and then we floundered around for a while, thinking that the whole commitment device part was too crazy for a real company and, and then
2: no, well, <laughs> and thinking that nobody would you know pledge money basically.
3: Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I went back and forth a lot about how to actually make it a viable business before just doubling down on the craziness that we liked ourselves.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious about how the the process of actually building Bminder came to be. Did you use essentially Bminder in your head to build Bminder or what, what, how did you piece this together uh, once you had the idea to, to build it?
3: Uh, oh yeah, we are hardcore dog fooders, as the expression goes. So um, <laughs> from, the very, from before we publicly launched it, we, we started the, the user visible improvements goal. So we had ourselves on the hook to make some user visible improvement to Bminder, like starting with our beta users, um, one per day. And that's now in the thousands. How many have, do we have? I'm curious. Like 1,700 uh, improvements to Bminder. We tweet those on a special Twitter account. Um,
0: and that's a lag to the whole payment thing as well, right?
3: Yeah, we have a thousand dollars at risk on that that we pay to users, and we've paid it once, um, so. <laughs> so we've paid yeah, I guess uh, we're going on fifty cents per UVI per user visible improvement that we've that we've paid out, which is very, very worth it. <laughs> um, yeah, and we be mind a million other aspects as well, the time we spend,
2: yeah our blog. When- Back when Beeminder was a side project, um, we were already, you know, graphing our the time that we spent on it using. Um, well, we were using Tag Time because Tag Time has been around longer than Minder. That's true. Um, so we, you we were, should
0: probably explain what, what Tag yeah, Time. Yeah, so is. we should
2: explain Tag Time. Um, okay.
3: Yeah, tag time since, is since our, the
2: productivity talk.
3: <laughs> right. That's our stochastic time tracking self sampling tool. So the problem with time trackers for um, ADHD types, I don't know if I'm literally diagnosed with it, but I, I feel that way, um, is that it's very hard to remember to start and stop the timer if you're doing it manually. And just the friction of doing that is is hard. Um, rescue time, which we highly recommend, mm-hmm. is um, does it completely passively. And that's really great for the kinds of things that can measure. Um, but it's just going by what applications you have open. Um, for example, it doesn't know if you, you know, have your editor open, but you're just daydreaming, or maybe you have email open, but you're actually hashing out details of an issue with your API or something over email, or you're on Facebook, but it's actually because you're, um, you know, promoting Bminder on Facebook or working on the Bminder Facebook page or your business page or whatever. There are all sorts of ways that, uh, you know, just going by the, the website or app that's open can be misleading. So tag time is kind of the happy medium between manual tracking and fully automated tracking where it at random times pops up and says, what are you doing right at this moment? You answer it and then you build up a random sample that over time becomes accurate.
2: And by manual tracking here, I think we're imagining something like saying, okay, I am now going to work on this Beeminder bug fix and starting a timer and then working on it until you're done and stopping the timer and knowing exactly how much time you spent on it. Right. But if you get distracted, then then that timer is completely inaccurate.
3: Right. Yeah, and in fact measuring if you want to measure how much your time you spend distracted, then you're you're kind of by definition out of luck because if you're distracted, you're not going (laughs) to know to stop the timer.
1: Are there, are there any good uh, anecdotes that you could uh, pass along for listeners about the, uh, the kinds of crazy uses that, that people put this, put this thing to? Is there you know an incredible goal or project that, that you know of that was uh, accomplished uh, using, using this?
3: Yes, so many things. Um, yeah, other than our own building the minder with it that's a pretty good one to start with. but, um, but yeah, we've had multiple. Multiple PhD theses written where the the users insist that that it just would not have happened without Bminder. So that feels really good to hear those.
0: those yeah, kind I put myself in in that camp. A couple of years ago, I churned out a <laughs> hundred thousand words of kind of crappy first draft over a period of two months, all thanks to Bminder.
3: That's yeah, so good to hear that. Uh, yeah, so and it's actually amazing how creative people get about ways they be mind things um, and, and it gets, it can get kind of complicated too. There's so um, B-Minding alcohol consumption is one. Is, most things on B-Mind are doing more of something, more writing, more time spent, go to the gym more, more steps. Um, uh, but then there are things, you know, eat less sugar, consume less alcohol. Um, there's a creative one um, discussed endlessly on the, the B-Minder forum about um, B-Minding alcohol consumption in two different ways both total amount consumed and the the burstiness so to like it's not enough to just have some amount on average but you want to limit the the binges um we came up with a whole new way of quantifying this metric that kind of accounts for both total quantity and and burstiness um that one's a little convoluted let's see what other um anecdotes do we have um
2: well, we have our favorite um, Nick Winter anecdote. He wrote a uh-huh. book about um, willpower hacking. Kind of is how he you know, phrased it. Motivation hacker. Motivation hacker. But he, um, one of the things that he, and he uses beminder in it, it extensively. And one of the things that he minded was doing, um, romance, like nice things for his, uh, for his. At the time, girlfriend, and they are now married and have an adorable <laughs> baby. So, I, I, presumably, that was successful.
3: Yeah, so <laughs> <minor> B baby, <laughs> exactly, indirectly
1: created. What is,
3: humans uh, I'm going to claim that.
1: Yeah. So we've also <laughs> directly created. Humans. What's the most uh, common project that you're aware of that that people work on? And is there just one thing that you know everybody signs up for the service and, and gets to work on, and is it you know lose weight or write? You know, things, or you just mentioned drinking. Uh, Is there any, like, you know, far and away the most popular thing to do with Beeminder is what?
3: Um, It originally was losing weight. That's how it all kind of started. Um, But it's shifted. And now it's probably more, and I think this is because of our integrations we have with things like, you know, Fitbit and Runkeeper and Rescue Rescue Time. And um, yeah, Rescue Time is a huge one. Um, So it's now kind of. Well, it's generally split between fitness and productivity, and for fitness, um, I think steps may be becoming the the most common one, Um, and for um, productivity, uh, yeah, I guess time spent, especially via rescue time.
2: Yeah, rescue time will give you a, um, they basically assign a weight to each of the different, like, Websites and programs that you visit, and will give you a productive a productivity score. So there are you know some things that are like highly productive, and some that are highly unproductive. And they sort of it's just a rough metric that they assign, and you can adjust it if they get it wrong. But anyway, so I think probably um, and RescueTime is one of our pretty big integrations. We have a lot of uh, goals that people have created that get their data from RescueTime. And and pro- so probably, like, productivity score um, and, you know, making sure that you keep your productivity score high or that you have more productive time, I guess, um, would be yeah. probably the most common. Or just picking,
3: like, you know, your text editor or this certain website and just saying, I want to do more of this particular thing. That works very well with, with Rescue Time.
0: Yeah, I find a rusky dime can be easy to game at the same time or or or, or kind of slant in the right way like the the whole kind of comparing productivity scores for a particular week between different people um yeah just kind of depends a lot on how you categorize things and how, how you're working and stuff with switching between windows and i yeah i know of people who kind of you know um, watch uh, watch lots of videos in a separate monitor, which of course isn't uh, isn't uh, uh, the active window, so Rescue Time doesn't acknowledge it. Um, but then they get extremely high scores for all of the time they did, you know, working in Microsoft Word. Um, uh, yeah,
1: sneaky. <laughs> I didn't know you were aware, uh, well aware of my workflow, Alex.
0: <laughs> Um, just to kind of switch switch gears a bit, um, uh, there's a whole kind of very long, extensive debate about willpower, which has been going on for for well for a long time. Um, what just to kind of to start start off with, what's your preferred metaphor for thinking about willpower?
3: Um, I would talk about it in ter- so I don't really like the multiple selves metaphor. Um, I like um, thinking of it in terms of Um, well, first-order and second-order preferences is a fancy way to put it. Like, what is it that you want to want? Um, Another way I would think of it is, um, well, behavioral economists talk about hyperbolic discounting. The way I would put that in lay terms is your rational decision-making is uh, distorted in the face of immediate consequences. So when the pie is right in front of you, you're not going to make Rational decisions. decision, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, um, and so, yeah. This is the power of B minder Is you lock yourself into some course of action that you decide ahead of time when you're not under the influence of the immediate temptations
0: it is is uh, do you do do you see it in uh, a lot of people talk about it in in the idea that you know it's 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 a muscle that it's something that we can deplete and uh, as as a kind of corollary of that something that we can train and improve is that kind of actually a red herring or if we use something like b minor can we just bypass all of that or or uh, I, how does that fit in I,
3: yeah, I think of it as as bypassing it. I think that um, yeah, you can view it as kind of another way to put it as surrendering agency to your past self who pre decided for you what you're going to do, and so it kind of takes willpower off the table.
2: Um, yeah, it sort of makes it so it, it's no longer a decision, um, and that's that can be a really powerful thing to do is because it it can be it, I don't know it, it can seem draining when you're sitting here trying to decide like. Can I eat that piece of pie or not? Should I? But if you just take that, if you just totally take that question off the table, then it's no longer a question of willpower. I think that um, we we had a friend who was vegan and said that they considered this kind of kind of like they considered it in, in a similar way to that because it was like they, um, you know, they just there was just like a whole category of dietary decisions they didn't have to make. They just made them once, and now they now they know that like oh yeah that's dairy I don't eat that that's ice cream I don't have to think about it that's you know that's meat I, no yeah. question um, so I think that using a tool like BeMinder can kind of lets you set up situations like that where you you make the decision once and then the decision is made and you don't have to keep redeciding every time you encounter a piece of pie isn't
0: yeah. that, isn't that kind of the kind of multiple selves there I mean you're you have your present self and you have a uh, future self um, that you're kind of um Making decisions on behalf of, it, to some extent. Um,
3: yeah, that's fair enough. I guess uh, as long as it's strictly a metaphor, I'm fine with it. Like right. I have to take it a little too literally with multiple cells. Yeah, I was going to say about eating. I think that's uh, something we don't see often, but I, I wish people would do it more. Like, I, it's kind of a way to be intermediate between being vegetarian and and not. You know? and, and I think the reason that that's so rare is that it's. You know the slope is very slippery. It's hard. It's hard to say I'm going to, you know, just eat meat every other day or find a way to make some kind of compromise. And I think bi-ender could be a way to,
1: yeah. to have that bright line without going all or nothing. What would you say is the most misunderstood thing about willpower? It seems it's fairly safe to say that there's a there's a real cottage industry around this topic. Um you know, all the all the quite a few of the best selling books perennially are uh around this topic of, of achievement and willpower always plays a, a big role in there. Is is there something that's completely missing from the discourse or is there something that everybody's getting wrong um that, that you think you've stumbled onto or um is is it no mystery? Nothing's misunderstood.
3: I no, there's a ton of misunderstanding. Yeah, I'm not sure how much I can say about about it, but um I'm not really a fan of Baumeister's ego depletion model. Um, and not really sure what I think of Dweck's counterarguments either. I guess I mostly just avoid the psychology literature altogether, and I much prefer the behavioral economists mm-hmm. and straight-up economists. Um, so they're the ones who think of it in terms of, uh, well, their fancy term is hyperbolic discounting, and um, that's you know where I get this metaphor of you know decision making distorted in the face of immediate consequences and i guess philosophers they're the ones who came up with the term akrasia
0: yeah maybe you could talk a bit about akrasia and how that fits into yeah. to be minor for, yeah. for for for, for your listeners uh,
3: okay yeah so akrasia is just this very broad term for anything you do against your own better judgment so this has kind of been a hot philosophical topic for millennia literally um because it seems so, like, why... It's, I guess economists call this revealed preferences. This is the counter argument to to Akrasia. I think this is Plato and Aristotle disagreeing. Anyway, um, revealed preferences says anything you do, you must have wanted to do it, otherwise you wouldn't have done it. So, you know, maybe you're deluding yourself about what your real preferences are, but if you did it, you must have wanted to, otherwise why would you have... Um, and if, uh, Akrasia is... If accretion is real, it means, no, we somehow act against what our own true desires are. And I, my feeling is that the simple way to reconcile that is this thinking of in terms of distortion of your rational decision-making by, by immediate consequences. We, when something's immediate, we overweight it. We evolve that way to be extremely myopic, present-focused. It's all about you know running away from immediate threats and immediate gratification. Because life is very uncertain. So yeah, another way to think of acrasia is a generalization of procrastination. Procrastination is not doing things you ought to be doing, want to be doing. Um, there's a fancy term for the opposite of that, preproparation, which is overindulging in things that you don't want to be doing. So any kind of addictive behavior would count. So acrasia is the umbrella term
1: for all of that. Maybe we could uh, talk for a second about I think uh, the the second part of any conversation about willpower. Um, the The importance of setting goals um even if you have all the the willpower in the world, if you set um bad goals or unrealistic expectations you'll you'll never hit them you know e- even using powerful software like like bminder sure. uh, Have you had any insights or uh, realizations about um you know making realistic versus unrealistic goals um yeah I think. Uh, people are familiar with, you know, OKRs and that concept of, of if you're hitting more than 80% or so of your goals, maybe your goals are too easy and you need to and change them uh, accordingly. Um, how, how do you make goals and have you had any insight into that through the process of uh, b Yeah,
3: this is a great topic. Um, so I am kind of a fan of um, this I haven't actually read his book. I've read reviews of it and articles that Scott Adams, the Dilbert creator um, mm-hmm. has a book called how to fail, failure way to success or something. I forget yep. the name of it, but, um, but the, the real, the take home message there is goals are for losers and people who um, make goals are doing it wrong. And I think that there's some truth in this. Uh, if you think of it the right way, um, he, so his claim is that if you make a goal, then you're, then you're in a state of either I have not yet met my goal. For one moment in time, you're at the I have achieved my goal state, and then, and then after that, you're in the I did that. Now what? State. So um, he says it's much better to think of it in terms of of systems for ever increasing awesomeness. And uh, despite our use of the term goal all over Minder, I think we are very much in the systems for every ever increasing awesomeness. Uh, <laughs> um, and I and I. Do you think that's a better way to conceive of goals? It also, I think, fits with the, if you know, the term "smart goals." S M A R T, specific. What is it? Specific, measurable, measurable actionable, realistic, time time sensitive. Yeah. Actually, we have a whole blog post on this. I'll bring it up to make sure I'm getting them all, and then you can add smarter um, for evaluate and reevaluate. So, um, yes, yeah, so the I think these are ways, these are better ways to think of of goals than just this thing I'm going to achieve in the future. Um, and in fact, I think b minder works least well for, for that. Like I'm going to get this thing done by this date. Um, it's better for open-ended things. Like I just want to, you know, get 10,000 steps a day. I want to spend so much time per day, uh, working on this project, spend so many minutes a day, practicing playing guitar, whatever, whatever it is that you want to do that gets, tends to get crowded out of your life. Um, so, um, yeah, there's exceptions like getting a thesis written. Um, but even then, it's more about the day-to-day. It's very focused on, you know, what I need to do each day to make steady, gradual progress.
0: And actually, I mean, there's something interesting that happens. I find that just by the fact of using um, using Beaminder, just the, the very... When you set up a goal, it forces you to think about what the actual steps that you would need to take on an ongoing basis to achieve that goal. Whereas, if you were just um, uh, just saying, "Okay, well, in two months, I need to finish my PhD," and somehow I'm going to do that, then you may not reach that because you haven't thought through the steps uh, on the way. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I think there's that's a pretty there's a pretty common discussion that happens you know, around our house where I'm like, okay, I want to be getting, I, I should be getting more sleep by feeling tired all the time. And then like discussing, well, okay, how can I actually turn that into some kind of measurable goal? Like what, how can I take this big picture? You know, I want to sleep more and turn it into something that um, I can commit myself to something I can be mind, but it involves talking about like, okay, so, well, what's the problem, you know, I'm, is it, I'm not sleeping and not, I want to sleep more overall, but then look at like okay well i have things i have to do in the morning so that means i need to go to bed earlier um if i want to sleep more and and noticing other things like that Mm -hmm. just the total amount of time slept is not in order to change that i have to change other things what is
1: the most important thing after uh willpower and establishing uh the correct gold in terms of achieving uh, the results we we set for ourselves is is there more to the to the puzzle than just those two things? More to the puzzle than willpower and how you set the goals and goals. Is there any other you know that uh we have some notes later about you know outlook um, and things like this, but or you know a frame of mind or, or something? But is, is there is it really just a combination of setting the right goals and then uh, willpower and determination to hit them, or is there anything else uh, to this? I guess um. Well, I
3: guess maybe we should emphasize. Uh, we think of it more as trying to avoid the question of willpower. Um, so, yeah. So, like Bethany was saying, like you have it, part of the process of setting the goal is getting very specific. What is the exact thing I'm going to be measuring? How am I going to measure it? Um, and then, um, I don't know. This might be a good time to talk about the problem of, of burnout. People getting overexcited, setting way too many goals, too ambitiously. <laughs>
0: or or the kind of perennial um uh, discussion on B-minder, you know the the way to get out I've forgotten exactly what it is the, the, the B-minder's rule like the way out of a situation is always to make a new B-minder goal <laughs> <laughs> i've forgotten exactly what the way to phrase that <laughs> uh
3: yeah we had a clever name for that but i've forgotten now to you, but um I have been very amused to see people doing that, setting B minor goals to create fewer B minor goals. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we do tend to think of solving every problem in terms of creating a new B minor goal, even even the problem
0: of using B minor too much um,
2: or not enough. <laughs> or not enough.
0: <laughs> Are Are there any disadvantages to using? i mean i'm thinking specifically of of perhaps of the the discussion in nick winter's book which you already mentioned in terms of what it could possibly do to your sense of trust in yourself if you start cheating and submitting false values into the system is there anything else like that which is possibly kind of detractions
3: well we just mentioned burnout and we have a bunch of thoughts on avoiding uh burnout like starting very uh conservatively um but bad things, um, disadvantages to using B-Minder. I don't feel like it's that um, weaseling on B-Minder is eroding trust in yourself necessarily. I guess um, I mean part of Nick Winter's point is it can do the opposite. It build you know builds up trust in yourself as you, he calls these success spirals. Yeah, yeah. You, um, you know, gradually get more and more ambitious. Your and 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 establish that track record of never weaseling or cheating um you start to just and this is another way of taking willpower out of the equation you just kind of start to have faith that when you make this b minor graph you're going to do that thing um and that can be that can be powerful um there's just this fundamental issue of you know i plant i my past self had all these grand plans and then reality got in the way and you know i got sick or things just you know the future is unpredictable and so um you know you can find yourself in very stressful situations right committed to do these various things, and now that's harder than it than it seemed um so that's a a danger fundamental to commitment devices um we try to mitigate that by um we have we call this the acrasia horizon that you can always change your mind with a, a one week delay so um so that means. Worst, you're you've gotten yourself on the hook for the upcoming week. But after that, you'll you're you're free to change it.
1: Wearing the devil's advocate hat here, uh, just for a second, is there uh, another tool out there that does that accomplishes the same thing uh, or similar something similar to to be minder from a completely
3: different approach? Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Habitica, um, formerly known as Habit RPG, um, and they. Um, so that's a way to gamify your life and treat your life as a, a role-playing game, um, where you get you know gold
2: and and
3: you know experience points and
2: and like f- finishing your chores is like completing a quest. You like put in to dos for all the things that you need to do every day or something, and mm-hmm. you go on quests to like actually do the things that you need to be doing in your life.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: I think Habitica is
3: amazing and. Everyone should try it, and if you can, if, to whatever extent that works for you, I think it's better than than Bminder, and you should, everyone should absolutely use that for everything it works for, and I view Bminder as kind of the emergency backup for the things that you're just incorrigible about, so you're, um, you know, maybe writing your PhD dissertation or practicing music or something that's... Um, Despite all the, like, so basically try every trick in the book with gamification and, and rewards and, 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 um, and any kind of positive reinforcement you can come up with. Um, and then b is kind of the, you know, kind of the nuclear option that will, will, you know, make sure that you do something that, that those other life hacks are not working for.
0: A lot of people seem to get very into B Minder, though, and they almost live in their B Minder. I mean, I certainly do for for a lot of things. Um, uh, or, or, or is is that the exception? Are are most people generally using in complement with a whole bunch of other things?
3: Um, no, I guess there are people who view it as complementary to other things, like like Habitica, but um, but you're right. We do. It is people do kind of. Tend to go all in, and uh, I guess those are people who um, maybe this is—I can't fully generalize this—but people who are um, one way to uh, way that B minor can be complementary is to use B to make sure that you do use these other systems. And we have uh, uh, Habitica integration, so if you want to B your use of, of Habitica, so get you know other tools uh, often have this problem that you use them for a while and then fall off the wagon. And so B is a very is arguably an elegant solution to that. Anyway, and then I was going to answer your question that, yeah, we do see lots of people who, um, be mind everything. I think those, I don't know if this is true for you, but people who just really like the, the quantified self aspect of it, having, having numbers for all sorts of aspects of their lives.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, this, as, as, as Matt was just mentioning, this discussion of kind of habit change seems to be everywhere these days from Charles Duhigg's book, um, which is one of the kind of many contributions to the popular literature. And the, the, there are kind of many other examples. Um, in 2013, Buster Benson famously, at least in certain circles, wrote something about habit change in which he said that behavior change is belief change and or identity change change. Um, is that how? How do you see that? Do you do and how does that fit in with with how Beeminder operates? Are you um, uh, building in um, any any thoughts as to how habits change and how people can add those habits? Um, yeah, I guess in, 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 into how how it's designed and perhaps you have some anecdotes from people who use the service um, to change their habits.
3: I think Bminder is very good for for. Creating positive habits um, probably less good for getting rid of negative habits. Um, maybe just because the horizon on um, you know the consequences, like.
2: Well, art. I think I think that often when I think of negative ha- bad habits, anyway, they're often very um, reflexive. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Instinctive. Y- yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of you know they're habitual, no. <laughs> but they're like they're things that you. Can- <laughs> That you do reflexively without necessarily like noticing and thinking about it. So I'm thinking about things like um, nail biting or uh, nose picking or I don't know. Uh, so for like, and when I think about those kinds of things, I, you know, I, I think that they're not really, I think that like by the end of I have to be, I have to do something by the end of the day is kind of like, that's too far off. You need so, you need something more immediate to help. Um, and I think BJ Fogg, says you know is, or is it bj fogg who yeah says, exactly. attach you should attach like if you're trying to break a bad habit you have to like you need to you kind of end up having to replace that with something else something more positive
0: and buster um, was talking about bj fogg yeah. in response yeah in his response um, um this is a good time to mention pavlock
3: i was there. just about to ask you about that <laughs> uh, yes yeah, so i'm wearing i'm wearing one right now and um yeah i so um, yeah, our, our friend Manish Sethi has uh, is collecting a ton of powerful anecdotes and data on um, on people breaking bad habits, and um, and we're working on some kind of integration with with Pavlok now too. So uh, we how, haven't figured
0: out how it's going to work. But how do you um, feel about that kind of negative reinforcement?
3: Um, I am all for it. I, I haven't got it very intensively, <laughs>
0: um,
3: I, so I've been trying to use it for um, distraction, and I think uh, it may be just kind of a, a catch twenty two there because I don't, let, you know, like we we're saying with with, with tag time, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I um, so I'm excited about finding ways to automate it, and find ways, finding ways to have it automatically zap me on based on certain conditions because using it where I have to think to push the button um, has not been working well enough. Yeah, I think a lot of people are really nervous about the whole concept of negative reinforcement or technically punishment um, and what that might do to you psychologically or maybe it's just building up an aversion to the to the system itself as opposed yeah. to things you're trying to build up the aversion to.
2: Or even worse, you know, building up an aversion to noticing that you're doing the <laughs> um, the bad habit because you got to notice that you're doing it in order to fix it.
3: Yeah, I guess the way Manish puts it is, it's more about just um, creating an association in your mind, uh, you know, negative stimulus and the thing that you, um, the thing that you want to do less of. So um, the way he describes it is, for people who have huge success with this, they just, you know, they they zap themselves, at, you know, while they're eating potato chips, and after some number of days, the just potato chips just don't seem attractive.
0: And just to be clear for listeners, this is like an actual electric shock. It's not. It's not like a, a, a buzz or something <laughs> like that.
3: Yes, it, and it is. It is quite aversive. I can.
1: I can attest. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we could talk for a minute about uh, the role of uh, technology in, in life, kind of look at things from a macro perspective for a second. You've made a, a very tech-centric uh application of course, and it's fantastic, and the benefits of this are are manifestly evident. Is there a place for uh non tech tools um in specifically your lives uh is there anything where uh the the answer is uh, a piece of paper and uh a pen um or uh or something else yeah right. we've got a few examples of that
2: well again, I think um there, there are definitely things that, um, like, where I might use Bminder to enforce doing something else. But like, the thing that I'm doing is not technology related. Um, so things like, uh, well, Danny has um, a little bracelet. It's basically an abacus that you wear on your wrist that he uses to keep track of um, servings of sugar, and then he goes and back and enters those. Into BeMinder, and you know keeps make sure that he's not like going above, you know, above the line on a do less BeMinder goal. But it's uh, yeah, I'm literally non-technological. Well, it's a it's a um, analog technology solution to to actually keeping track of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm literally
3: it, sliding beads on a bracelet to, to keep count.
2: Um, using Mark. Forster's uh, to-do list system, I prefer to use a piece of paper to keep track of my to-do list and to cycle through it. But then, um, so that's one that I haven't come up with a good way to a way that I like to be minding it. I think you were, um, I was for a while just, um, yeah, I'd have the piece of
3: paper using the Mark Forster's, this productivity guru, um, he has the system called final version the which the there
0: device. are many versions yes,
3: yes. It's, 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 it's I like the name autofocus that was a, a previous uh, information of it um, but yeah I would uh, be mind the number of chains of tasks I got through um, the system involves yeah writing down tasks putting little dots picking it's it's a way it elegantly balances like uses structured procrastination a way to like you know find less aversive tasks to
2: do and then kind of get a success spiral going with exactly. like actually, you know, okay, now I did the thing that wasn't so terribly aversive. Now I can do this other thing. That's maybe a little bit more aversive and right. doesn't um, let things on your to do list starve also, which is so,
3: nice. Yeah. So I was be mining that by just, I just manually put in the number of, of chains I got through. Mm-hmm. Although now I've been, um, so someone made this beautiful third party tool called be um, that hooks into Trello, gives some new integrations like Google Fit um, and, and some integrations we already have like Trello, but does it in a, a much more clever way. Um, I'm really liking this. It's a way to be mind uh, Trello neglect. So now I'm back to the technological solution. Um, <laughs> really liking it. It's, so Trello has its own feature where it, cards that you've neglected uh, start to fade and turn gray. And so this be tool has a way to... To, um, to be mine to that. And so now I have my tasks in, in Trello and when I have a, a it, emergency, as we call it, I have to go find something that's old and do, and make some progress on it. And it's, it's a way to, it's kind of like forcing a GTD style review where I, I can't let tasks starve and go out of sight, out of mind. So it's you know, kind of forcing me to keep looking at old things and at least making some progress on them.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm just coming up with more habits that are non technologically related that I then reinforce with actually doing them with Beeminder. Things like meditating um, and mm-hmm. reading and journaling and those kinds of things. Are um, those
0: bees as well? Yeah. Yeah.
3: We're not coming up with a ton of non-tech. We are pretty enormous nerds. Um,
0: <laughs> you've, you've written um, in the past about um, your use of um, bargaining in relationships um, and I guess this is maybe a, a kind of um, an example of kind of non-tech uh, adjunct to to the kinds of thinking that ended up in 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 Mind. Could you could you describe a bit how how this works, and, and is it is an, is it actually an extension of the same kind of principles, or is it something completely separate in your mind?
3: It's the well, I guess the connection is so that stuff came out of my my past research on. Uh, game theory and mechanism design and decision mechanisms, um, ways to you know kind of voting, but using auctions as a way to to weigh people's preferences and, and make decisions. Um, so I view B-minder as kind of the one-person version of that, where you're kind of doing playing those kind of games against yourself, um, you know, betting money on your future future actions. Um, but yeah, this is um, this. Yeah, we had the kind of ridiculous 15 minutes of fame where Bethany and I, uh, we were even on Fox news talking about
0: this.
3: <laughs> <office>. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we basically, we, so we have our finances separate and we use auctions with each other to make decisions. Who's going to do chores or book flights or any disagreement we have, or just, you know, who's the one to put the kids to bed tonight. We have, well, both techie and non tech ways to, to conduct these auctions. And, and easily transfer money back and forth to to pay each other for you know to achieve constant fairness
0: is it usually done on 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 a kind of with a window of of one day or things or are there auctions which are going on longer term than that
3: um no they tend to be immediate things who's going to do like we need a decision right now the auction happens the decisions made and and then the payments happen every once in a while we don't use it for decision-making about BeMinder much for some reason. I guess we just have our roles kind of established pretty well. I'm, mm-hmm. I've got the, the CEO role and Bethany is the CTO. Bethany does the actual coding and I'm just trying to shield her from non-coding things mostly. Yeah. Um, we seem to do pretty well at achieving, I guess this is another Scott Adams thing, a management-free organization where we just talk about things and until the what? right conclusion becomes obvious. So. We, we do have options. It's easy to
2: come to consensus. It's it's a lot easier to come to consensus when there's basically only two people who have to consense, So, <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, Yeah, we do sometimes have options, like who's the server's redlining or something who's going to babysit it and who gets to go to sleep or, or something. Um, although that's usually Bethany because she just knows
0: <laughs>
3: stuff better. <laughs> um,
0: um, you, you had a kind of... Uh, blog post up a few days ago um uh, which was one of my favorite of the recent blog posts uh where you had your children on talking about how they uh, used uh bminder um i guess it's something which people people won't really have assumed that um uh, that happens or, or or would happen could you just say something a bit about um what you have learned and i guess what what your kids are learning what you hope your kids are learning via via doing this
3: yeah we are just overflowing with pride about that blog post that's our eight-year-old daughter fair who who wrote that and um yeah those are all her words we didn't yeah i'm kind of in awe reading it i've (laughs) reread it many times (laughs) it's it's yeah it's really well done highly highly recommend that post as yeah and it's yeah amazingly that's all, I mean, she's just, I mean, that's what her parents do every day. And so it's all all our craziness is is normal to her. And she wants to be part of that and use it too. And um, yeah, I'm sure this will change drastically when she's a teenager and wants nothing to do with anything (laughs) that we do. But but for now, it's it's wonderful. And yeah, I mean, she's the one, I mean, yeah, we're not, um, you know, amazingly not pushing any of that down her throat she's she's excited and and she seems to be excited for the same reason adults are like i want to keep making progress on on german get through all these duolingo lessons she's excited to make sure that happens and and uh yeah as she argued in the post that she can see that that doesn't happen when she's doesn't have bminder nudging her it just you know
0: i think i think she even has the line push-ups are awesome
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, she's just totally. each, each each thing that she she minds and like yeah, some of them are are hard to explain, like sugar, how that works, and then push ups and the explanation there is <laughs> it's pushups, push ups muscles
1: a <laughs> uh, question from one of our wiser listeners was about uh regarded the topic of you know high performance uh, or high achievement with uh children. Um yeah how you continually hit the goals that that you set for uh yourself um, while essentially living uh with a family um, you know and people talk about balance or work life balance and these things, and that word certainly comes up a lot There's a lot of soul searching on this on this topic It seems um any thoughts on on that front or any advice just keep yeah. you know maybe a, set a b B-Minder goal for it. <laughs> yeah this is
3: a great example of something where um, yeah you can you can uh, disrupt your balance by you know be minding things too hard and adding stress and and uh, you know but that's only if you do it in an unbalanced way, so as usual, our solution to that is more be minding if you feel like <laughs> work is 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 crowding out. Um, hobbies or time spent with family, just make more be minder graphs to to <laughs> do those things that you feel are are getting short shrift. Um, and then, yeah, and of course, this is the path to to overwhelming yourself and and Inflammity. burning out. You have to do this carefully. But um,
2: I like be minding um, fun things as well because things that I you know that are because it gives it basically like something like um spending time working on craft projects. Um if I do if I put a minor goal for that um then it gives me sometimes sometimes you know we like we feel guilty about doing fun things or nice things when it seems like there's lots of work that, that is important and, right. and you know needs to get done. And so if, if you have a B minor goal for that, it doesn't let you be the workaholic who says, you know, oh, I just, I just have to work all the time. It's like, Oh, well, now I have to go and spend <laughs> minutes you know, just chilling and like, and there's no, there's no guilt about doing it or, or anything like that. So that's nice. And you can do that for, um, I mean, you could do that for quality time with your kids or, or or whatever as well. Um, so you you can you can <laughs> enforce balance using B as well. Um, I think that mm-hmm. an intro like kind of related. You know, working together, working doing working hard, accomplishing a lot of stuff, building the startup with a family. Um, in some ways, it's um, like we enable each other to work harder, and we'll. Trade off if there's stuff we want to get done over the weekends. You know, we'll um, like tag team, spending time with our with the kids or something, and like trade back and forth so that we can get work done. So, um, I think you know sometimes we're also enabling ourselves to be more workaholic <laughs> as opposed to, <laughs> to to get ourselves to be less workaholic. But
1: wondering if we could chat uh,
2: briefly about uh,
1: workflow um, thing is into- uh, Workflow topics, apologies. Um, is there a, a morning routine that you guys have? Uh, anything that, that has to happen straight away when you wake up, or is there no routine? Do you have a B-Minder goal to make a B-Minder goal first thing in the morning? Um, yeah, could you walk us through how you, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, sort of outside of B-Minder, uh process, uh, moving through what needs to be done? I should say,
3: we have. We both have dozens of b minor goals, but it's not quite to the point where every day we're creating a new one. That's, <laughs> that's, that's okay. Yeah.
2: I, most of you know, our, my morning routine is centered around the kids um, and getting them. You know, so my day starts with getting up and moving the children out you know, through their morning routine and getting them to school and stuff. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I think I would, pro- I wish I had more routine. <laughs> I would probably, um, function, you know, if it was more, more predictable, my days were more predictable, it would be better. But it, it's recently gotten, um, more predictable because of Minder. <laughs> um, cause we, we, Danny and I sat down and went through and, and scheduled our deadlines for all of our different goals. So now my, you know, and out of that has we sort of like scheduled to spread them out throughout the day. And so out of that has kind of come this routine where I, you know, I I get up and get the kids to school and then I do my meditation and get some exercise and then I zero support. And, and so again, this is, it all comes back to be minder, but, (laughs) but I find, I find that, um, starting with the, uh, you know, I, I set them up in that order, the the deadlines up in that order, because, it, you know, kind of like I, I pretty much always start my day with going through and checking for things that need my attention and Vminder support because it gets my head, you know, it's like a nice transition from everything else in my life into thinking about Vminder problems and, and doing all that stuff um, and knowing what if there's any, you know, like, did I deploy something that's a bug yesterday? Because there's now there are now 10 emails about this this same topic, right. um, that kind of stuff. And then um, there is one productivity or thing that is not specific to BeMinder that I find really helpful, which is using the Pomodoro technique. Um, so I I have a BeMinder goal that makes sure I keep starting new ones because I have to get a certain number of them done, but the Pomodoro technique itself is not BeMinder-specific. Um, basically, you know, you set a timer and for, um, a fixed amount of time and do focused work on a task during that time. I like to do a 45, I've trained myself over the years to do a 45 minute block. Um, and, and I find it really, you know, it's the, the effect of stating what I'm going to get done during this time. And then having the timer running and working on it um, and trying to get it done, you know, in that amount of time is, it, it works pretty well for me um, at keeping me, we, it's, it's like enough of an impetus to keep me focused. So
3: we also have a hardcore version of it called Pomodoro poker that we do every <laughs> Tuesday night at the B minor office um, where we actually put, we write it on a whiteboard, what we're going to do during the, the pomodoro or the double pomodoro. Each person um, has their own task. Yeah, and we actually tape a dollar to the to the whiteboard as well, and then uh, and then start the timer. And the the last one done before the timer goes off is the one who wins and gets all the money. And the idea is to pick tasks that uh, <laughs> get better at estimating how long things will take. And and
2: um, and it's a lot of fun. It's got you know, there's there's a little bit of money involved, but it's not enough that you're like gonna be gonna um incentivize like competitiveness over actually trying to do stuff um and and there's um you know social some social accountability but mean and so it just all works out great. <laughs> To sit in
0: a room and not talk to your friends. Uh, Speaking of sitting in a room and not talking to your friends, um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, maniac weeks. Um, I recently wrote a post up on my blog about um, the, the fact that in 10 days or so, I'm about to... Uh, undergo my first maniac week um can you talk a little bit about your your experience of this bethany i know you you kind of recently gave gave a talk on this um and and you've both both done them do you have any uh advice is this something you recommend for everyone just for certain domains of work or so um any 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 thoughts you have on this
2: um so i think for um for programming in particular it seems to be a great idea because there's lots of um, cost to task switching and to getting interrupted because there's you have to kind of understand the logic of everything that 's going on and kind of like load you know the context into your head before you can start making forward progress and so if you have large blocks of time that you can sit and not be interrupted. Um, it can be really beneficial and you can actually get more efficient um, or so the theory goes uh, um, mm-hmm. so I you know I can't speak to other domains of work um, so much, but um, like guess, th- well, that's why I think it's like, useful for pro- for programming at least is because there's you know you can get more efficient by spending an intense amount of time on it
3: also the it's using this. Clever commitment devices. You've obviously figured out of, of um, publicly pre-announcing it, so you got yourself on the hook. Like I'm definitely going to mm-hmm. do this during this block of time. And you and uh, the, Nick Winter is the one who originally came up with this idea. And part of the idea is committing to um, to filming the whole the whole thing, the the whole time lapse. You know, with both the your face and what's on your screen. Um, and yeah, and committing to. Then publishing that, I think Nick Winter even committed to publishing it unedited. Um, So that's a powerful motivator that you you know the whole time you know it's like you're being watched because you've committed to to showing the the time lapse. Um, We haven't quite stuck to that because we constantly find ourselves like dealing with something that shows some user data or something. Um, We're not at all worried about having our source code on the screen. We're kind of working on open sourcing that anyway.
2: So, Uh, but I did have to edit out like the time when I opened up all of our, the file with all of our private keys, you know, (laughs) on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) What am I? (laughs) Idiot. Um, So, uh, um, one of the things I did find it really useful to do, uh, lots of talk, lots of Pomodoros during, um, during my maniac weeks, um, what are other things that I found? Is that simply,
0: again, what you were talking about in terms of doing something and choosing something to focus on?
2: Yeah. So having, having a plan, I think one of my big through, I, I've done a bunch of them and um, a common theme was preparation, um, preparation, preparation. I what are think we preparing? That, I think, yeah, like having, knowing um, what it is, that, having a, Good concrete idea of what you need to be working on, mm-hmm. and a good task list to work from. So, um, I, it. So for me, with programming, that's like a good solid spec, and actually knowing what it is that I'm trying to implement, um, and and I guess you know working on the spec can be part of can be part of that maniac work, but. Um, uh, you know having having that not wasting time trying to figure out what you should be doing next, so that's why um, I think that talks are nice there' cause, like it's giving you a focused thing that you're spending this time on and um, probably something like using a Forster list on using mark Forster's uh, final version that we were talking about earlier with the task chains yep. Something yep. that also like just these things to keep momentum going' because um, if the main uh, benefit of spending a week doing nothing but working is the um, is that mo- the momentum that you get and not having to task switch, then trying to figure out what to work on next, you know, is breaking you out of that yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Out of that system. So.
3: Oh yeah, I was just going to add. I found it surprisingly relaxing, especially the one that Bethany and I did together, our joint joint maniac work week. We've done all you know, a bunch of variations on this, Maniac Weekends, full seven days. Um, and, yeah, it's just having all other distractions gone from your life and just getting absorbed. It's like, it, yeah, I think the impression is that you're just being a ridiculous workaholic
1: and
0: <laughs>
3: nothing but working and sleeping. But, it, you know, used in moderation, I think they can be be relaxing.
1: We're mindful of your, of your time and uh, enjoy uh, closing out our show with uh, a few questions about uh books uh film and, and music that you may recommend uh to listeners or just particularly enjoy um so i'm wondering if uh you guys have had uh, the opportunity to think about a book uh one each or or if there's an official b minder recommended book uh what that might be
3: well. Wow. Um, it's kind of boring now since we talked about it so much already. But the Motivation Hacker was going to be my obvious choice for mm-hmm. for, for a book
0: recommendation, and it is a
3: lot of fun. Um, just all the the craziness that
0: well, it could send you down a very long <laughs> spiral. <laughs>
2: my um, current nonfiction reading is um, Thinking Fast and Slow. Oh yes, there we that. go. Thinking <laughs> Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Oh, Kahneman. Yeah, yeah. It's a, that's yeah. a great, it's really fascinating, and they do a lot of, um, you know, thought experiments that are really accessible, you can kind of like see where they're getting these results from, it's fun, um, and, um, oh, and, and a nonfiction pick would be um, Stanislav Lem's um, A Perfect Vacuum, we were, <clears throat> that's a great book, short stories, really, really mm-hmm. fun.
0: Uh, Matt, did you have a pick for the week?
1: Uh, yes. I uh, read this book uh, recently. It's called uh, Mantle of the Prophet, Religion and Politics in Iran by a professor named Roy Matahide. Um And if you're looking for a resource on Iran, um, it's billed as a book about the, the revolution, but really it's a sweeping narrative. On uh, the development of Persian identity, going back to quite literally the, the earliest days, I think um, yeah, well, it's a great place to start if you're looking for your first book uh, on Iran. Very enjoyable. Uh, back to the Bminder team. What about a film?
3: I was going to go with uh, Memento, which is a film I loved from before mm-hmm. we yeah. ever even thought of about Bminder, but it, it's it's kind of on theme about Guiding your future self. In the case of, (laughs) you're very (laughs) consistent.
1: And it's just a great movie. Mm -hmm. Alex, uh, what's your pick of the week?
0: I watched a I watched a fantastic film uh, slash documentary uh, this past uh, week or two called Meru. Um, which is a documentary about uh, a bunch of um, friends uh, who climb up um, a um, peak in the in the Himalayas, um, and uh, actually they, they do it uh, on multiple occasions? And sort of their story of their continuing fascination with this incredibly difficult uh climb they've all kind of been up Everest multiple times and it's a very technical climb that um uh yeah no one until until uh no one had, had had conquered yet so it's kind of their story of their their fascination with this and I found it extremely interesting um um exploration of risk and the reasons why we um uh why we do certain things which uh, may seem crazy to others um and i really strongly recommend it. it's available kind of ever if you're in the states you can see it on actual cinemas and it's also available on itunes and things like that back to team b minor any music a final final pick
3: um yeah i'm tempted to go with this band that's actually called akrasia <laughs> They've ruined my uh, Google, um, because now everything is about that band instead of about the philosophy term. But I haven't actually listened to it, so I'm not really recommending it. It's just funny that that's out there. But, yeah, I'll let Bethany uh, give, give our actual pick.
2: Um, so a classic favorite um, of ours in this household is uh, the Magnetic Fields 69 Love Songs. Um, mm mm-hmm. He sang a bunch of those as lullabies to the kids. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's great, fun, nerdy pop, earwormy music with ridiculously amazing rhymes. He, this, <laughs> Stephen Merritt makes the most amazing rhymes in in places. So, yeah.
0: That was actually done as that a kind good. of um, ongoing project, if I'm not mistaken, where he said he would do one song every day. You can imagine that's the kind of thing you could set be minor goal for. <laughs> excellent yeah i think i, I think he it. wrote up
2: comments, like 69 out of them but yeah 100 <laughs> days of writing a song each day
0: well uh
1: daniel bethany that that does it for the for the show thanks so much for taking time to talk with us we really appreciate it
3: yeah thanks so much for having us this is great
2: yeah